following broadcast has been approved for elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans, to Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN 730. I'm Doug Branson, and yes, that's right, we are back on Thursdays. That's You know, we did do Thursday shows last season, and we started doing Saturday shows this season and dropped the Thursday, but then we, we got to talking with ESPN 730, and, and now here we are, Thursday show, Hive Talk Live, more Hornets talk, better coverage throughout the week. That's what, what we're all about, Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. And I'm joined by my Thursday co-host, Justin Thomas from ESPN 730. He covers the Hornets for them. Justin, let's swarm, buddy. How you doing? You know, uh, the fact that we're warm right now <laughs> and not outside, I think that's the most important thing right now. We're, we're warm. Um, we're excited. We have good things yeah. to talk about. So, you know, everything's looking up right now. Yeah, well, I mean, it's looking kind of up. And now the Hornets are struggling with, with a variety of different issues. Probably the biggest one and one we've talked about all season, injuries. We'll get a, an update on the injuries to Nick Batum, Cody Zeller, Jeremy Lamb in just a moment. But I want to start by recapping what happened in Oklahoma City. The Hornets fall to the Thunder 109-95. And, and this was really a, a couple of stories the, the first being that the Oklahoma City Thunder are a very good team. And, you know, they have two big superstars in Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. And if you're going to take down a, a titan of the Western Conference, which is what the Oklahoma City Thunder are, Justin, it has to start with those two guys and it, and it has to start early. And for the Hornets, it just didn't. It just didn't start early. The reason the Hornets haven't been any good as of late is they haven't started games strong. Mm-hmm. They have, and you're already down with injuries. You're playing a superior opponent. You think it's going to have to start on a defensive end. We're going to have to come out. We're going to have to set the tone. And that's the only chance we're really going to fight. You know, if you can fight and claw and hang around to have a shot at the end, you know, you've done your job. But before we even get that far ahead, you have to start on the right foot. And unfortunately, you know, you can say this for about the past two and a half, three weeks, the Charlotte Hornets did not start the game on the right foot. Well, the one word that I wrote down, Justin, was physicality. And it's a word that certainly we've heard from Steve Clifford over the weeks. When you play a team like the Thunder, they have a lot of physical guys on that team. I mean, not only you think of physicality, and I think you often immediately go to the bigs. But they've got a guy in Russell Westbrook who is the epitome of NBA physicality, and he plays the point guard position. So if you're not ready one to five with your most physical performance in the first quarter, then then the Oklahoma City Thunder can often take the game from the jump. And I think that's what happened. The Thunder were much more physical on the boards, nearly doubling up the Hornets in the first quarter at five offensive rebounds in the first quarter. That's just not going to cut it. And I think, too, the Hornets were a little too content early on watching the ball fly around as opposed to getting in there and disrupting the Thunder offense. And look, the Thunder were missing shots. That's the incredible thing. They scored, I believe they scored 30-plus in that first quarter, and they were missing shots, but they were getting loose balls, they were getting offensive rebounds, they were getting second chances, and and they were going after it, and, and the Hornets, to a certain extent, let that happen, I thought. Watching the game, as, as it started, I'm thinking, okay, this might be, you know, they're under man, but they might have a shot. Oklahoma City is really struggling to shoot the basketball. Mm-hmm. And as I was thinking that, I said, that sounds too good to be true. Like that's, that's just not going to work. And as I'm watching the game, I'm finding miscues on the defensive end time and time and time after again. You touched on physicality, and it's almost as if, Nobody, nobody wants to put a body on anybody. Well, and and the, I think it's it's fair to say that the Hornets are undersized. And when you're undersized, when you're the little kid, when you're the little brother on the block, you've got to be able to to play big, 
to play bigger than you are. And they just weren't able to do this against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And it's similar, I think, and the Bucks are are certainly no Oklahoma City Thunder, but to a certain extent, the Bucks did the same thing. They went out there and attacked them, took it to the rim, and that's what the Thunder did. The Thunder did not were not content just to shoot three-pointers. They were trying to get that ball to the rim, trying to get into, into transition. They did that. And again, the Hornets fall 109-95. Part of that had to do with the injuries to Nick Batum, and Cody Zeller, both of those guys leaving in the third quarter. Nick Batum re-injuring that sprained toe on his right foot. And then Cody Zeller uh, going up for a, a transition bucket. Russell Westbrook following him in transition, goes for the block, ends up knocking Zeller's arm into the backboard or onto the backboard. And Cody Zeller seemingly, or it's a shoulder sprain, but it's on that same shoulder that he had surgically repaired so I don't want to say re-injured but it is that same shoulder and that's what really I think makes Hornets fans worry certainly makes me worry about the the Cody Zeller because both both Zeller and Batum have already been ruled out of the game on Friday night against Orlando so injuries continue to pile up for this Hornets team I I do believe with a healthy (laughs) roster this is a good basketball team. Um, I would debate. I'd have that debate with anybody. But the problem is this team just can't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. They, they just can't. And it's too hard to compete in this league night in, night out when you're undermanned. Like, you, you just can't do it. And, and one thing about the Batum injury is I never felt that he was right. Um, when he came back, I felt like he came back because he was a competitor. Before he came back, the Hornets were on a four-game losing streak, and people were starting to think, "What? what is going on? What What are the Hornets going to do? They just aren't playing well. And as a competitor Batum is, he wanted to get out there. And when he got out there, he uh, he hadn't been good. He's played six games since returning from that. Yep. In those six games, he's averaging nine points on 23% shooting. Nick Batum is a talented basketball player, but when you when you hear of numbers like that, you know he's well, not healthy. And it's it's nowhere near the numbers that he was putting up earlier in this season. Really, the only good game he's had since returning was against New Orleans. He was eleven of twenty two for twenty five points, eight assists, and four yeah four rebounds. But over the past three games, he's shooting uh, six of twenty seven. Again, that's not. And, and you look at a sprained toe, and you think running and jumping. And and we know Nick Batum has been successful on the direct handoff, and, and that's running around screens and jumping. And so that sprained toe is going to have effect, an effect on his shooting percentages. And over the past three games, it certainly has. And you have to remember, too, that he's played what, 47 minutes, 36 minutes, 41 minutes, 38 minutes in this stretch since he's been back. So that's a lot of minutes on that injury, and so if it was going to flame up, if it was going to show up again, this was uh, this was certainly the situation where the Hornets needed him to play heavy minutes, and now we've seen he's re-injured that toe. No telling how long he's going to be out. He missed four games, but as you said, it felt like he was getting back out there maybe a little bit early, and unfortunately, we see the re-injury. It's tough. I mean, it's tough. And tough. you said, and you 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 hit the nail on the head. I mean, these these injuries. This feels a lot like last season, where they couldn't get everyone on the court at the same time. And it started all the way back when the Bobcats made the playoffs, and it, it looked promising for the Bobcats. But then you had the, the the heel injury to Big Al Jefferson, and that really sank any hope that they that David could take down Goliath and that they could beat the Cavaliers in that series. And now, you know, it's it's tough. It's unfortunate, uh, but you have to go out there. You have to play. And this team, we touted this team's depth. And now this depth is truly being put to the test. I mean, you, you, you go out and say, okay, this team, they went out and got players. They got depth. And sometimes you have to use it. You, you hope that you don't, but sometimes you have to go out there and use it. And so 
you know, Jeremy Lin, who hasn't played well recently, will have to step up. Spencer Hawes looks like he'll get the start in place of Cody Zeller. He's been a starter in the league before. It's not like this is his first ever, you know, starting center role in the NBA. So these guys will have to channel previous success and, and play big for the Hornets. Otherwise, uh, this stretch could continue to get ugly. And I, I feel um, another thing that we should touch on is the, the Hornets have depth. And it's hard to compete, um, of course, when you're undermanned. But it's how they're losing. It's not that they're undermanned and, you know, they're you know they're fighting tooth and nail. And, you know, they get to the game and they just can't win it. Mm-hmm. They just aren't playing well. Like, they're injured and aren't playing well. Like, if you watch the games, it's said, man, you know, they really gave a good defensive effort. Um, they hung in there um, offensively and did what they could do. You know, you know, late in the game, they just didn't have enough firepower and they couldn't close it out. It would be easier for, for fans and supporters to kind of sleep at night about that. But when you're watching games and, and, and at the first quarter, they're coming out and committing five, six turnovers. And they get to the fourth quarter in, in crucial situations and guys are just rolling to the lane uncontested. That'll drive you crazy. If you watch any of the games and watch these blown assignments, you can, whether you're in person or watching through a TV, you can hear Clifford preaching about what they should be doing. And it's almost as the guys are out there on the floor, it's almost that they aren't even listening. They're, they're not there. You have guys rolling to the rim for, for game-winning layups. That should never happen for a defensive-minded team. Yeah, and they they can't seem to get a stop early on when they need when they need one, and that happened again in this Oklahoma City Thunder team. Kevin Durant able to get to the rim at will. PJ Hairston, you know, it, it's tough because this team doesn't have the weapons defensively that a team needs to play well, but they also, as you said, are not coming out with that intensity that you would think one would have when you know that you don't it's like I know I, I we don't have the weapons so everyone's going to have to step it up to another level in terms of our intensity in terms of our focus that's not happening but here's the good news Hornets fans the Hornets are only two and a half games out of a playoff spot the Eastern Conference which we know got off to a strong start Seems like it's regressing back to the mean. Seems like things are coming back to normal. Some Western Conference teams that struggled early are starting to get better. Hello, Houston. And some Eastern Conference teams that got off to a hot start are now coming back to the mean. The Wizards are back to being under 500. The Heat have lost three in a row. The Celtics have lost two in a row. And the Hornets' next opponent, the Orlando Magic, have dropped their fourth straight contest. They've started 2016 pretty miserably so there is hope that the Hornets can bide some time here try to get some guys healthy again and still at least be with within some distance have a puncher's chance at getting into the playoffs and and like you said if this team is 100% healthy and they they sneak into the playoffs they backdoor into the playoffs this team could still be dangerous because they're going to be featuring weapons in MKG and Al Jefferson that all of these teams that they're playing right now, they haven't had a chance to scout against. They haven't had a chance to play against, so they could sneak up on some teams late in the season. Um, I, I, talked to, I talked to Marvin Williams after the Milwaukee loss, and I was, I was, as the game is going on, I'm looking back and forth and, and looking around the league to see how the teams are performing. And I'm thinking to myself, as bad as the Hornets have been, they still have a chance. And I went back and forth in my head thinking, is is that a gift or, or is that a curse? Um, because guys are well aware of what's going on in the league. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, okay, we haven't been playing well, but I'm looking at the standings and as bad as we've been, we're two and a half games out. And uh, I wrote a piece actually on ESPN730.com if you guys would like to check that out under the ESPN730 blog. And, you know, <laughs> I had to think of, does this team have a sense of urgency? Because they've played bad, you know, they know with the East not being a juggernaut that they still have a chance. And I don't know if, if that could come back to bite them because they know mm-hmm. if we put together a three, four game winning streak, we're at seventh or eighth place in the conference. And... And people are like, hey, the Horns are starting to get around. So I don't know how that dynamic is going to continue to play, but I would 
I would definitely uh, like to see more of a sense of urgency because I think that would help them play better. But, you know, when you're in the East, you can never panic because if you go on a small winning streak, you can you can get right back into things and people wouldn't even people wouldn't even remember how bad you were because you're back in the playoff picture. Well, and they got off to a good start to to start the season and I think that's important because again, you remember last season they did not do that. Had they repeated that trend, then they would almost certainly be be out of it now because the Eastern Conference got off to a hot start, but they're only two and a half games out of the playoffs, so there is hope, there is a light at the end of this tunnel. And we'll keep our eye on it. You're listening to Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN 730. I'm Doug Branson. I'm joined by Justin Thomas from ESPN 730. He covers the Hornets for them. And let's talk about some good news, some classic Hornets news. Uh, Hornets legend Muggsy Bogues is uh, is going to be in the All-Star weekend in the Celebrity Game. He'll be uh, part of Kevin Hart's USA team taking on Drake's uh, Canadian team. Uh, let me read the rosters here. So Hart's USA team will include Jason Sudeikis, Michael B. Jordan, who just got uh, done with Creed. That was a great movie. Anthony Anderson, uh, Yaz Gray from Empire, Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon's hilarious. Uh, and uh, five-time NBA All-Star and ESPN analyst Chauncey Billups. Hmm. Muggsy Bogues, of course, and Milwaukee Bucks co-owner Mark Lazary. And then WNBA MVP, Elena Deladon of the Chicago Sky. So that's the USA team playing for uh, the Canadian team. Uh, former NBA MVP Steve Nash, Jose, Jose Bautista, Stephen James, uh, RK Fires, Wynn Butler, Drew and Jonathan Scott, HGTV's Property Brothers, David Walker. Would love to hear that. Uh, others, uh, Tracy McGrady playing for the Canadian team. Rick Fox, uh, former UNC alum, and uh, Laker great Rick Fox playing for the Canadian team. So uh, Muggsy Bogues, he looks in shape. I just saw a Vine video of him taking a, a step back jumper. And, you know, if I think back to, it made me immediately think of Space Jam. And I think of all the guys that were, uh, uh, that got their souls sucked in the, in the Space Jam movie. And of all those guys, you know, Patrick Ewing, Sean Bradley, Muggsy Bogues, Larry Johnson. A lot of those guys are like suits, suit wearing executives or, you know, Sean Bradley, I believe he's back in Utah now uh, as a principal of a school, I think. And I think of all those guys, Muggsy looks to be the guy that could get back out on the court and, and do a little something immediately. Doug, I'm a little disappointed that you left out my guy, Charles Barkley. Well, again, I, he's a, he's a suit wearing, like, it doesn't look like he's going to be able to get back out on the court anytime soon oh. without some serious now, you know, uh, gym time, Charles, uh, Charles probably couldn't run up and down the court. He probably couldn't get you one <laughs> gas here, but it's okay, Charles. Um, it's okay. Sometimes, you know, we just have to realize our time is over. As far as Muggsy, I have an interesting story about Muggsy. Give and it for, to me. And for those who don't know, Muggsy can still play basketball. So I want to paint a picture for you. I'm 23 years old. Um, I want to take this back. Was I a senior in high school? I believe I was a senior in high school, actually, um, before I went off to school. And every Saturday morning, me and my boys, we would go play basketball at the Siskiyou. Mm -hmm. Well, one morning, there was a lot of people in the gym. And I'm like, who could be in the gym on this Saturday morning? Well, it was Muggsy Bose. So Muggsy and his team is running people off the floor. So me and my guy say, Yo, you know, we're up next. So we get up next. And, and granted, this is a time in my life where I'm actually um, a legitimate basketball player. I was actually considering walking on at uh, UNC Pembroke at the time. So, you know, I'm, I'm taking basketball very serious at this time. You know, we match up. I play point guard for my team and, and Muggsy plays for his. And as, as we're going through this game and it's going back and forth, I'm realizing Muggsy to be 5'3 can really play basketball. I don't I don't know if he might have missed two open jumpers. I'm a pretty good defensive guy. Um, he got by me a few times, and I would like to pride myself on my defense. He blew by me a few times, and what made it worse is as, you know, the game is coming out to his final possession, I get caught in a two-on-one, and I'm like, I can't let Muggsy score this. So, being overly aggressive, oh, you know, I'm playing the lane like, you know, some, something's got to give. So, I take the leap of faith towards Muggsy, and Muggsy hit me with the fake... <laughs> And dropped he, you and he lays it up and I just turn around and I watch the ball go through the net well listen as Muggsy took us off the floor I, I appreciate you not 
you know, hard fouling a Charlotte Hornets legend and, and keeping him, you know, in, in another universe, you, you hacked Muggsy and he wasn't able uh, to play in this all-star celebrity contest. I just think it's really cool that, that Muggsy is going to be involved in Toronto somewhere where he played. He spent some of his uh, uh, latter years post-Hornets uh, in Toronto. And so I just think it's a cool deal. And, and you know, that I just want to see Muggsy and Kevin Hart just stand face-to-face and let's find out. Let's find out how short Kevin Hart really is because there's been some 5'4", is he 5'2"? We know Muggsy's 5'3". We can pair them up together and and, and find out what the deal is. You know, I think Kevin is actually, t- I think Kevin's going to win the height. I think Kevin looks like he's more about five four and a half, five five. He, we might even be able to round him to a five six. But I'll tell you this: uh, Kevin will not be the MVP again this year. Well, he's the coach, so I hope not. Um, I hope he so doesn't suit it up. Thankfully, Kevin can't play anymore. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was a three time MVP. But this year, granted, there won't be a Charlotte Hornet in the All Star game. Wait, we don't know that just yet. But I don't expect a Charlotte Hornet to to participate in the game. We'll have Muggsy. And I do believe Muggsy will will play a good game and they represent the city this, of Charlotte. They stack this Canadian team though, it because is. They, they you've got Steve Nash and Jose Batista, and and those are two guys that are you know Steve Nash still in shape. Jose he's a current you know all star in, in the MLB, and you've got Rick Fox, Tracy McGrady. Tracy McGrady just tried to make a comeback like a few years ago. He was, was just in the NBA Finals. Well, granted, he didn't play. I, was, I mean. <laughs> In the NBA Finals, uh, and then of course you've got the 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 All Stars, the the Property Brothers. I mean, you get both Property Brothers. Some fair. You don't just get one Property Brother. You get both Property Brothers. Somebody didn't put this roster together the right way. It's not fair. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, Muggsy can can lead the USA team to an upset victory over Drake and uh, the Canadian uh, All Star celebrity All Star team. But there you go, Muggsy Bogues. And to win it, I like that. And another bit of news, uh, back to the Hornets, Aaron Harrison was assigned to the D-League. That it was, He's assigned to the Oklahoma City Blue, and basically the Hornets kind of dropped him off in Oklahoma Left City. They have fun out here, buddy. <laughs> Listen, uh, he packed his bags. like, hey guys, where are you guys going? What? Why? Wait a minute. Why, why is the oh, plane taking him. off? <laughs> they left him in Oklahoma City. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it was a... It was a flexible assignment, so the Hornets do not have a D-League team, obviously, this season. They will next season. They'll have the Greensboro Swarm. But until then, if they want to assign someone to the D-League, they have to use the flexible assignment rule. And essentially, if they want to assign a player, the D-League says, okay, here are the teams that have agreed to take your player on, and the Hornets can pick, if there are multiple teams that agree, the Hornets can pick which team they want to send the player to but they have no control over when or or how that player is played because they don't have that direct affiliation, again, until next season when they have the Greensboro Swarm. And uh, important to note, just because Aaron Harrison is going to the D-League doesn't mean that there's all of a sudden an open roster spot for the Hornets because the Hornets have the right the rights to Aaron Harrison. He basically takes up a roster spot regardless of whether he plays in the D-League or, or if he's sitting on the bench. And um, somebody had a question about what, was this a move to open up MKG, a roster spot for MKG? Well, MKG has a roster spot. Again, just, even if you're injured at the beginning of the year, you still take up a roster spot for the team. So, no, this move was all about development, Justin, and I think it's a good move. I think that... Any development that Aaron Harrison can get, he's a talented player, and the Hornets obviously thought enough of him to hold on to him instead of uh, keeping that roster spot open. And, and you, you got to let the wheels spin every once in a while. You can't. I feel like you can't just leave a player like that on the bench. Practice is practice. Game is game. I think this is really good for, for the rookie because he can play. Um, I think uh, one thing I've, I've always respected about Aaron is you know, a lot of nights, well, he doesn't play. But I always, I always see him participate in a pregame shoot-around. He goes out there with the shooting coach. Uh, I always butcher his last name. I think it's Kretzer. Okay, thank you. Bruce Kretzer. And they go out there and, and put work in. And it's, it's easy to say, okay, I know I'm not going to play tonight. Um, why would I go out and, and 
participate in a shoot around. Like there's there's no need yeah. for that. I'm not playing. And the fact that he went out there and does it, it shows that he knows he's not playing, but he wants to get better. And actually, a, another thing about Aaron is the other day at practice before they went out to Oklahoma City, he and Troy. Let me let me get let me get the teams right. It was he and Troy Daniels mm-hmm. versus. Hold on, I'm saying the backwards. Okay, so it was it was MKG. Okay. And Troy Daniels versus Tyler Hansbro and oh yeah we talked about so this we, so on we the, had, on the we, show, had the, yeah. we had the uh, two on two going on and the good thing is when you look at him you're like he's he's a big guard he's big he's six five he's put together well he's not a scrawny dude he can move and, and when you watch him you see everybody falls in love with athleticism and, and granted when you get to a certain level everybody's athletic but you know you want to be able to see if he can play I thought it was a really smart move. You know, to keep him on board because you never yeah. know. Like he could blossom into something and people will be like, wow, we never knew this could happen. And he's not expensive. It's not like you're breaking the bank to have him. No. And you and you can say, okay, let's 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 try this guy out. Let's let's put him in the D League. Let's, let's throw him some garbage time minutes. And then you know, we can assess his progress and see where he's going. Well, so so I he's, like it. He's played some garbage time minutes in this tough stretch for the Hornets. They they've had a couple of games that by the you know middle of the fourth quarter it was all but decided. So Aaron Harrison has been out, been able to get out there and play, but I I just think there's a difference between playing those minutes where it doesn't really mean anything, and and I think it's just better if he can go to a situation at the D League for a little while and, and play those minutes that mean something, and hopefully he gets those. Unfortunately, the Hornets have no control over that, but at least he has an opportunity to play against somewhat NBA level talent and it's meaningful minutes. So I think that will be good for Aaron Harrison. And I also think that part of this is the development of Troy Daniels and and we've seen him play more minutes in the absence of Jeremy Lamb and it and it seems like he's well he's definitely hitting shots, but he's also holding his own on defense. And it seems like Clifford trusts him a little more to, to get him out there and get him more run. If that weren't the case, if Troy Daniels had not made that little bit of development, I think you very well could see Aaron Harrison maybe playing a, a more substantial role within the Hornets this season. But it's as as it is with these fringe guys, so much of it is circumstance. Yeah, you know, it's is is a guy right above me playing okay. All right, well, I got to sit for a little while. And and Aaron Harrison is a talented guard, and his time will come. But you know, you, you can't. And certainly, the the Hornet again. We said it. The Hornets are only two and a half games out of the playoffs, so you can't go into development mode yet and, and throw guys like Aaron Harrison into the fire. That's just that's not smart basketball. So uh, it's it's good for Aaron Harrison, and again, it's good for the team that they're committed to developing these guys where they see a little special spark in them and they want to see where it goes. So I, it's, I it's, it's all good stuff. And and I can't wait until next season when the Hornets will have that, that D league team that they can control and, and they'll get, they'll have probably four or five guys that they're rotating. So you, you probably would see a Troy Daniels spend some time with the Greensboro Swarm if the Hornets were completely healthy. And then if Jeremy Lamb were to go down, you call Troy back up or you call Aaron back up. And it's good, too, because you get to see these guys play with one another, and you can more fairly evaluate than you can in practice, I think. You can more fairly evaluate, oh, well, he's hot right now. He's playing well right now versus the guy that he's playing alongside in Greensboro. Let's call him up. And it just allows you that you get more intel. You get more information. And that's what every team in the NBA is looking for right now. That's why all these NBA teams are going out and getting D-League affiliations because they want more information. So good stuff all around. I I, I couldn't agree. Um, Last year, I couldn't agree more. Last year, Jeffrey Taylor and Noah Vonley – Ask Clifford if they could get some time in the D League just to play because when when you're sitting on the bench, I mean, just like you said, you can only get so much out of practice, and if you're not playing, you're not really doing much. All you get is a shoot around in the practice, and going to the D League, it's not NBA starters or anything like that. But the good thing about it is you get some run, 
you get to play in the game. You get to experiment. You get to see what you can do, what you can't do. I'll say this, though. I think that as more teams, when we finally get to the point where every single team has a D-League affiliate that's theirs and theirs alone, I think I can definitely see the D-League becoming a place where if Jeremy Lamb's injured, he plays one or two games in Greensboro and then comes back because what we've seen previously is that you'll have Jeremy Lamb maybe play 10, 15 minutes his first couple of games back, and then they work him back into the regular rotation. But I think it's better for guys if if they can play a full game against you know lower competition, really get those legs back under them, and then come back and and be ready to go. And then they're, the 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 engines warm. And, you know, you don't have to give those dreaded 10 minutes to a guy where they can't really get into a rhythm. So you you, you get them in a rhythm in Greensboro and then bring them back to Charlotte and, and have them firing on all cylinders. So I think that's, you know, the stigma about the D-League is quickly going away. And uh, hopefully the Hornets are a leader in, in that respect when they do get that D-League affiliate in Greensboro. All right, let's talk about this uh, uh, upcoming game Friday night in Orlando. As we said earlier in the show, the Orlando Magic not doing well to start off 2016. They've lost four games in a row, including their last two, the Philadelphia 76ers, who are improved. I don't want to, you know, kind of make an old joke because they are becoming less of a joke. But it still is the Philadelphia 76ers. They still are lacking an abundance of NBA talent, the Orlando Magic struggling, even though they do have an abundance of young talent. They've lost seven of their last eight. Uh, the Hornets' uh, 10-game road losing streak, which they are currently still sustaining, began in Orlando on December 16th, that last game. What do you see as the key that the, the Hornets are injured? We know that. It's going to be Hawes and, and, and Lynn in for Batum and Zeller. But what are the keys to this game that you see against Orlando, Justin? It, it starts at the beginning. It most things do. It starts. <laughs> it starts when the ball is tipped. When the tip. You know, Cliverus talk about approach, intensity, effort, and purpose. These guys know. Kimba understands. Marvin Williams understands. These these guys are pros and and guys. Coach can only do so much. The man can only do so much. And last time they went down there, oh, they didn't start the game strong. In that game, they committed 16 turnovers. That's a lot. They normally average a little over 10, maybe 11. 16 turnovers. And, and Clifford good. said it best. In his media availability, um, after a practice, I believe, before they went to Orlando, he said it. If you don't execute against them, you aren't going to beat them. Well, guess what? The Hornets didn't execute last time they played them. And granted, it'll be a little bit harder. They won't have Batum. They won't have Lamb. And they won't have They Cody. may have Lamb. He's still questionable. Um, so he hasn't been declared fully out yet. So fingers crossed from Hornets and, fans that they'll have Lamb. That would and help. And it would be huge. But I, I, I just don't know. Like I, would, I can really see them. I don't see Lamb playing this game. He could. And I could see him returning Saturday night. I'm at home against the Knicks. But if, as far as Orlando, they're, they're a scrappy bunch. They're not supremely talented. But um, back to Clifford's statement, you know, when you beat them, you're going to earn it. Um, he's raved He's raved about, you know, th- they come prepared. They might not win a bunch of games. They might not beat a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Granted, they haven't beat anybody as of late. But one thing you're going to do, they're going to come and they're going to work hard. And that, that used to be something um, we could say about the Hornets. You'd be like, man, this team isn't supremely talented, but, man, they're very blue-collar. They get out there and they get after it. And the only way I see this losing streak on the road ending is if they come out and they just play like gangbusters. And, and they get after it. And sometimes you will see that happen when you bring guys off of the bench into starting roles all of a sudden. But, again, it's sort of a benefit that doesn't work as a benefit because Spencer Hawes 
and Jeremy Lin both have had starting roles in the NBA. So you're not going to get that same kind. I, I don't think you'll get that same kind of all of a sudden burst of energy that you get when you bring a guy who's used to being a rotation player for his entire career and all of a sudden he gets a start and he gets out there and he's just intense and ready for the opportunity. You know, Spencer Hawes has been around the block. Jeremy Lin has been around the block. You hope those guys bring that bring that attitude and bring that intensity. And certainly we've seen that with Lynn before in that Toronto game when he got the start. He, he was 35 points. He was attacking the rim, playing very well. And you hope he can turn around some recent uh, struggles shooting the basketball, and he wants to. He's talked about it publicly. He knows he's struggling. And just like just like all of the Hornets' issues at this point, they are known issues. I t- you know, It's funny. I talked about this was kind of a separate non-basketball conversation that I had with someone, but I said the issues that are most frustrating are the, are the ones that people recognize. They admit them, they know they exist, and yet somehow they can't get them fixed. And whether that's you know an issue that you have with yourself or an issue that you have with someone else, if if it's a known issue and it still won't get resolved, that can be the most frustrating kind of issue and it's certainly frustrating Hornets fans. I mean, look, I go on the the Hornets Reddit and I go on the, the the conversations that are happening on sports radio and the conversations that are happening on the at the hive commenting board and and the one theme I see throughout is is frustration. And and you're in the locker room and I'm sure you see that in the locker room. There are guys probably that are frustrated because they hear the issues. They know the issues. And they're just not getting resolved at this point. I'm telling you, there's nobody more frustrated than head coach Steve Clifford. There are times where I know when Charles is playing well, he has a, a certain level of energy. Mm-hmm. His body language is, is much better. And nobody, like you could ask any um, basketball aficionado or, or league official, and everybody is going to say high things about Steve Clifford mm-hmm. because they know what type of coach he is. They know the hours that he puts in to have his team prepared. And he's seen his team play well. Um, like, you know, it's almost a word somewhat trying to not ask the same question, but you're basically asking the same questions. And he said, you know, we have to get back to games 12 to, through 23 when, you know, we were top 10 offensively and defensively. We were beating quality opponents, and we were playing well. Granted, they were they're pretty healthy at that time. Granted, they're not as healthy now. And you you touched on it, and, and Clifford has said the same thing: is it's minor. It it's nothing that can't be fixed. Mm-hmm. And and Clifford will tell you, it's it's, it's detail, um, communication, mm-hmm. um, little things like that. And you go inside the locker room. You you ask Kimba. Um, Kimba's going to say the same thing. Um, we know what we have to do on the defensive end, and we're going to go look at the film, and we're going to come back, and, and we're going to give a much better effort, and we're going to fix it. And you ask Marvin. Um, I really like going to Marvin because Marvin is even kill. He's a veteran in this league, and he's very well-spoken and intelligent, so I always like to speak to Marvin. And Marvin will tell you the same thing. Um, we know what it takes. Um, we haven't been doing it, but... You know, we know if we keep plugging away, mm-hmm. it's eventually going to happen. But I don't know how hard it is to yell out a switch on a pick and roll instead of there was a time. Well, last it's, a, night. it's a mentality issue. It's it's being able to recognize that situation and then communicate it. And and, and it's easy to say how hard is that? But I think it's it's very difficult sometimes to get yourself into the right mentality, especially when you've been playing such good offense. I just, I think it can be difficult to get yourself into that defensive mentality. Uh, They have to do it, but I think it's difficult. I'm just, it's not, and it's, I think part of it too is that it's a combination of a team that's been so bad offensively for so long that when they get the taste of it, there, there again. I think there, there's a shift in mentality, and it's tough to find the balance in that. But I think part of it too is you've got guys in in Jeremy Lamb and 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 Jeremy Lin who are getting new opportunities, and and the offense starts to really uh, roll and start to click, 
and you know, you go with what you know and you, you do what's successful. And sometimes you forget about like, oh, what's successful throughout the NBA, not just for this team. What's what what wins basketballs in January? And that and Clifford will say it's defense, it's rebounding. Because they have no problem on the offensive end. You know, granted they haven't had Big Al in some time, but they have no problem scoring points. I believe outside of last night, I believe it was three or four or four out of five, they've scored over a hundred points. Mm-hmm. And and Clifford said it. He said, "Hey, we have no problem on offense. There's been a lot of pizza. We can we can score, but the problem is, we just aren't committed on the defensive end." And and when he said it, just looking at his shoulders, the tone in his voice, it's wearing on him. It's even when he comes to to um, speak with us after practice, you can just you can just look and and see, it's it's taking a toll. I mean, and Clifford's a very colorful guy. I mean, if you ever listen to him um, speak, he he really paints you a picture. I feel like I get smarter every time I listen to him talk basketball. And what it is is, is granted, a lot of guys aren't really good defenders on that team. Um, you know, I, I don't like saying guys well, are individual. Bad, they, but, well, they're they're not individual shutdown defenders, no. mm. and and so you have to play defense as a team, and that's where, you know. I, Communication, we keep harping on that word, and I think it's because this is a team that needs communication. Not all teams need a ton of communication. You need you need a base level of communication to play defense in the National Basketball Association, but when you're a team like, I don't know, the Oklahoma City Thunder, when you have two or three guys on the court at all times that can individually shut down their assignment – then communication becomes somewhat less important. It's the same on the offensive end. If you've got two or three guys that can get their own shot and knock it down, then ball movement becomes slightly less important. And so I think that's what we're seeing is this is a team, just like last season on the offensive end, that was a team that needed ball movement, absolutely, that needed shot making, absolutely, or they weren't going to play well offensively, this season you've got a team that if they don't communicate fully, if they don't give 110% intensity on their individual assignments, then they won't play well defensively. But I want to get back to this Orlando game uh, because we know the issues that the Hornets have. I think the Orlando Magic, it's kind of the opposite. Their their demise uh, since uh, 2016 um, rang in. It's been a little bit of a mystery, and uh, that they've only they haven't had many injury issues. They uh, it looks like Oladipo may he's missed the past two games. He may make a reappearance for the Orlando Magic, and then they had Alfred Payton hurt for a little bit, so they haven't had many injury issues. But their offense has just fallen way back to earth. They are averaging eighty eight points a game since January first. They simply cannot shoot the ball, and it goes for Vucevic, it goes for Tobias Harris, it goes for guys that were playing above the expectations that anyone had for them offensively, including their own fans, and now all of a sudden, it's finally come back to earth. So, you know, I mean, look, the injuries are there for the Hornets, but I think there are opportunities in this Orlando Magic game, if they come out with the right mentality, to steal one when they don't have all of their troops. And I th- I think it's it's an important game because it's is it's two struggling opponents and they know. Yeah. And and both teams are are actually in the playoff hunt. So it's not like these guys are at the bottom, you know, the standings like, you know, we're just running through the motion. Mm-hmm. Like these guys feel like the Hornets they feel they're a playoff team. Right. And now you're getting into rematch season and these games are while they are in the dead of winter, they are in January, when the Eastern Conference is so muddled up like it is, you're going to look at these games when we get into March and go, damn, like we really could have used that game for a tiebreaker situation. And so the Hornets can't get in that position. They've got to come into this game with intensity so that in March they don't look back and go, damn. They, they need this one. They need this one bad. They need to get off to a good start. And it's just about how they play. Um, being crisp on the offensive end, not turning the ball over, not really blowing assignments. Not letting Channing Fry hit four 
three know? pointers in the and second quarter. Because you help. can, and, and there are times where if you're defending and guys are hitting shots, you can live with that. Mm-hmm. But you can't live with guys rolling to the rim and and their finger rolling with nobody with people looking at them like how how did he get there? Yeah, that that can't happen. So um, I do think it's a, it's an important game, but I feel like the most important part of the game is how they play. If they just just get back to it. If they if they lose. You know, and it's by like three or five points. You know, Clifford can say, we lost this game. We're, we're undermanned, but we played better. We got back to our brand of basketball. That's what you want to see. So, you know, and, and it's a winnable game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they're going out and playing Oklahoma City where, you know, I don't think anybody expected them to win. I don't even think they expected to win, but I won't go that far and say that. But Orlando, once they got dogged the last time they went down there. And there's just there's just something inside you say, I you know I can't let this happen. Um, Jeremy Lin's having a good year. Kimball Walker is having the best year of his career. And and that's important to note. I think Kimball Walker continuing to play well off of that 52 point game in Utah or in Charlotte against Utah. He scores 21 points on eight of 15 shooting, two of four from beyond the arc against Oklahoma City. So he's continuing to play well, and, and we've. We, this is Hive Talk Live Thursdays brought to you by ESPN 730. And, and I want to play an interview that Kimball Walker did with our friends at ESPN 730 on The Pulse with Bobby Rosinski and, and Chris Allison. And let's play that clip. And, and Kimball had some interesting things to say about the 52-point game and the approach that he's taken both in the offseason and throughout this season to get better. Let's hear what he had to say. Kimball, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Doing well, Kemba. Heck of a game for you yesterday. 52. What's the? Is that the most you've ever scored in one game in your career, whether college, high school, or NBA? Uh, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, my what, career high. Yeah. What was that feeling like for? Did you know early on that it was going to be a special day for you? Uh, I don't know. No, I felt good early on. Though, no, I made, you know, my first couple shots, and you know, I was I was just rolling. You know, especially in the first quarter. Um, you know, I had a great start. You know, I had no idea that I would end up with 52, of course, but you know, it was just the way the game went and you know, the way that they defended me. So you know, I was able to rack up some points. I know after the game you said uh, you know you weren't really pleased, saying you're actually a little upset that you made some mistakes down the stretch. Looking back, what did you see happen there at the end of the game, but for this team to still uh, overcome uh, blowing the lead in the fourth and pulling out the win in double overtime? Yeah, um, yeah, there were many mistakes, many mistakes. You know, a few on my behalf. Um, you know, the game probably shouldn't have went into those overtimes, but, you know, unfortunately it did. And, um, you know, we, just, we we stuck with it, though. So that, that's what's most important, you know, us sticking with the game. Uh, we could have easily folded, but, you know, we stayed together and, and, and pulled out a, a huge win that we that we really needed. Talking with Kimba Walker here on ESPN 730. And Kimba, if you lose that game, still score 52, obviously that changes the, the complete feeling of having a big night like that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, it doesn't feel as good. Um, I mean, of course, it's still a huge accomplishment, but you know, it's just a, 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 a real different feeling, I think, you know, if, if you used to lose that game. You got to the free throw line 15 times in this game, made 14 of those. Kim, is that how important is it for you and your game to get to the free throw line? And if you've got a high number, uh, you know, free throws in a particular game, is that a pretty good sign that things went your way, that you accomplished what you were hoping to accomplish? Oh uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's definitely you know important to get some free throws. You know, you know that's one of the easiest shots in the game. So you know you got to try to make a high percentage of your free throws, of course, and. You know, it's just easy baskets, you know. You, you play the game, you know, you want to get fouled, you want to, you know, try and get as many easy baskets as possible. And, you know, I was able to, you know, um, you know draw some contact and get some fouls, you know, throughout the course of the game. Kemba Walker here on the Pulse ESPN at 7 of 30. Kemba, for you, a fifth year now uh, in the NBA. And the three-point shot this year has really seemed to improve 6 of 11 in this game yesterday. What have you seen from your outside shot that has made it more effective? I'm just making them. <laughs> no, that's it. I'm just making them now. No, at a, at a more consistent rate. Um, no, I, I have worked really hard on my shot. You know, in the off season, and you no, know, still continuing to, you know, improve it. You no, know, now during the season. So, you know, I'm just working on it. And um, yeah, man, you know, definitely having you know guys on this team, 
you know, that can, you know, really, you know, get in the lane, draw defenders and kick the ball out as well has helped me as well. Um, you know, guys who take pressure off me, guys like Nick and Jeremy Lamb and Jeremy Lynn, you know, those guys who can handle the basketball and make plays. So they put me in great position just to make shots. So it's all up to me just to put the basketball inside the basket. For your game in general, where have you seen the biggest improvement this year as we know the All-Star push is out there to try to get you in your first All-Star game? Um... I think definitely, you know, just my consistent shooting, of course, um, you know, has helped me a lot. And uh, I think my leadership is a lot better as well. You know, I think I'm becoming a better better leader each and every day. Um, you know, that, that's, that's what I'm striving for, you know, throughout the season. I want to be the best leader I can be. And being a leader, it's been a tough stretch for this team. I lost 9-10 before the game yesterday against Utah. What have you been telling your teammates to, to keep their heads up and know that there's brighter days that are ahead of this for this basketball team? No question. No question. Definitely brighter days. You know, all teams go through go through struggles, you know, go through tough times. And, you know, it's definitely up to your best players to keep the team, you know, spirits up. And, um, you know, we have a great group of guys, you know, who, who work really hard and, you know, we know that we will get over this hump, and um, it's only a matter of time. Um, and, you know, it started with last night. You know, um, even though, you know, it was a pretty tough game, and, you know, we, we were up by a lot, and they made a comeback, but, you know, it shows how good we can really be and you know, how resilient we are. Kemba Walker here on The Pulse. It sounds like, Kemba, you all, like, can you connect that back to your final year in college when you guys were 9-9 nine and nine in Big East play and uh, and then you entered the NCAA tournament, win five in a row, get the title and so forth? I mean, can you kind of connect back to that a little bit here? No, I don't know. No, it's a different level of basketball. Um, no, it's just different. It's just different. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, that was you know, a point of you know, adversity for me and my teammates that year. And, um no, we are kind of going through that. You know, we're, we're, no, we kind of, no, we were struggling. No, we were struggling. No, we weren't, no, playing to the level that we, no, could be playing at, and we want to get back to that. I know you're hearing the word defense and buying in from your head coach Steve Clifford. Do, do you sense that? Uh, do you sense that this team is close to closing the gap to the way uh, that that the defense has been played and the way that Steve Clifford wants you to play it? I do. I do. Um, you know, we've been watching a lot of film, you know, trying to you know, trying to get better and get back to the way that we you know that, that we know we can play. And um like I said, you know, just the group of guys we have who who are willing to, you know, put in the work and you know, we're just trying our best to hold each other accountable as well. So, you know, I do sense it. Kemba Walker here on the Pulse ESPN at 7 of 30. Hornets in action tomorrow night against Oklahoma City on the road. Played them very recently here at Time Warner Cable Arena. The news released from the team today, uh, Kemba, about MKG being cleared for full contact practice. Still no timetable for when we'll see him playing a game. But what's that news mean for you guys knowing that uh, in the near future you'll have MKG back? Oh, man, that's that's exciting. I spoke to him last night and told him I can't wait till he gets back. And um, I'm actually watching him right now work out uh, while I'm talking to you guys. But um, that's going to be exciting, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. The the things that he brings to this basketball team is, man, you can't you can't <laughs> duplicate it. You can't duplicate it. So, you know, we're, we're definitely missing him. And, man, we can't wait till we get him back. Now I can hear the excitement in your voice. What's he do defensively that makes him uh, so strong and will be a big asset when he comes back? I don't know. I don't know. I try to ask him. I try to get some advice from him, but he don't want to give up his secrets. But, I mean, he's, man, he's one of the best defenders I've ever, you know, been around. You know, even, you know, during the summer, me going up against him, and, you know, I realized how good of a defender he was. He he can guard, man. He can guard with the best of them. So, yeah, man, like I said, I can't, I can't wait to get him back. Kemba Walker here on the Pulse. Kemba, when you go up against the top point guards, in the league, whether that be Steph Curry, Westbrook there at Oklahoma City. How do you approach games like that? Do you get up a little bit more for them? Uh, do you see that as ch- as a bigger challenge? I mean, what's what's it like, um, you know, when you uh, when you smash heads with some of the top point guards in all the NBA? You know what? I, I always feel like all the point guards are top point guards. You know, at, in this day and age, the point guard position is, it's it's pretty it's, it's it's pretty unbelievable, man. Every night he's playing against a really you no know, good point guard, and you know it's I'm always up because you know, I'm not considered one of the top point guards in my opinion. You know I feel like you know 
when 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 guys rank the point guards, I'm not really the one, the name that you know up there. So no, I'm 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 always ready, you know, to play against anyone. So no 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 names in particular. Um, no, you got to bring your A game every night in this league. That was Kimba Walker who joined the Pulse with Chris Allison and Bobby Rosinski on ESPN 730. This is Hive Talk Live Thursdays brought to you by ESPN 730. That's a great show. It's on weekdays, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Definitely take a listen to that. And you can even go online, ESPN730.com, listen to it live, or go to the Audio Vault and listen to some of these great interviews that they have. And we'll certainly be featuring uh, more material from them here on the show. But yeah, Kimba Walker, I mean, absolutely fearless when it comes to to not only going up against the top-level talent, but when it comes to carrying this team, and and he carried the team against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I think back to that first quarter when the offense really couldn't get anything going, and Kimball Walker said, "That's you know, I'm a, I'm a little peeved when I hear people use hero ball with Kimball Walker in a negative way because I look at that first quarter and I go, that's hero ball. That's this team can't get anything going offensively. All right, I'm going to put the the team on my back. And that's not something that is inside all NBA players. That's a special thing. And I look at this Orlando team and they've got a lot of young talent, but I feel like it's a lot of complimentary guys, a lot of number 2s. Like I'm going to be your Robin, but I can't be a Batman. Let me tell you something, folks. Kibble Walker can be a Batman. And and that's why I think Hero Ball, hashtag Hero Ball, should be a positive thing when we're talking about Kimball Walker this season. Forget last season. This season, he's a hero. I think there's a difference between Hero Ball and Selfish Ball. I don't think people really understand the difference from that because Kimba, you know, a lot of this team's success hangs on his shoulders. And it's sad, you know, that this guy will probably not be an all-star. He probably will not get named, and that is an all-star. And he's having a phenomenal year. He's averaging 19.9, let's just say 20, and he's shooting the ball 44%. I've been writing for two years. If Kimball Walker could shoot 44%, his game will blossom. And you are watching Kimball Walker show people why he got an extension and why he's a a franchise point guard. Absolutely. Only a few minutes left here on Hive Talk Live Thursdays brought to you by ESPN 730. Time for one last thing and we go to this uh, announcement by the Hornets that they will uh, not be raising the prices of season tickets for uh, those that want to renew by February. It looks like February 17th. That's when the prices will go up. So it's a nice thing that the organization is doing. Uh, Basically a thank you to the fans that have uh, really rejuvenated this franchise since the Hornets' name came back. They've they've seen a boost in season ticket sales. They've seen uh, sellouts this year, and, and the the fans are really responding to uh, the team name coming back and, and the hope that this team is uh, that the organization is providing uh, that good basketball, great basketball could soon return to Charlotte. And and certainly these injuries don't help, but. Guys come back, you never know. Hornets only two and a half games back. Justin, we're trying to leave this this first episode here off with with a with a, a note of hope. You know, um, attendance is I believe is up eleven percent, and it's nice to reward people for their loyalty and and sticking with this franchise that that went away and came back and you always have to you know reward your fans and, and mm-hmm. let them know that they're appreciated good move yeah and, and if you're interested in, in season tickets you can visit hornets.com or call 704 hornets and that'll do it for us for hive talk live uh, thursdays brought to you by espn 730 thanks to our producer katie and thank you justin i hope you had fun and, and thanks to the guys there at the pulse uh for uh lending us that audio and and to espn 730 for um, believing in us, believing in Hive Talk Live. We're growing. We're, we're trying to make this thing happen. And Justin, you're a part of that now. And, and we welcome you to the family. And, and thank you for, for joining us. I'm glad for having, you know, for being a part of this. We have half a season left. And uh, let's make the best of it. Absolutely. Thanks to everyone who's listened. You can follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live on Instagram and Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Hive Talk Live. No Saturday sit down. 
this week. We're going to let the Panthers do their thing. We'll be back next Tuesday. You can listen to us live, 6 p.m., hivetalklive.com. See you next week, folks. Stay bought in. Stay believing. All hail the teal and purple.